several of us. And there we go. Wow, this is Rob's last Sunday here before moving. We, uh, we trust we get that figured out before next week. But thanks, Rob. One la- we just couldn't let you leave without one last, like, pushing a button somewhere. Thanks. That's right. <laughs> that was all planned, just upheaval of the message and the sound system. Uh, what was I saying? Okay, so we were in Kansas City for the Empower Conference, and a uh, few people are still there because of the, it was actually a bigger snowstorm that hit there. And so by my first night driving into the plaza where our hotel was, I'm, I've become overly dependent upon Google Maps, especially when I'm in a city. And so I tend to not even like, I know Kansas City pretty well, but now if it's a new place, I just sort of like follow directions and don't even like know where I'm going. So I, I, but sometimes there's a little lag, you know, you're not sure I'm supposed to turn on this street or is it the next one? And so it said, turn. And so I said, okay, I'll turn. Kind of like in the office when he drives his car into the lake. It was, I turned down the road and then it was quickly apparent. It said, Google to- map told me, do a U-turn. And there's a thing in my mind, when I hear U-turn, I'm like, is that legal? I don't, in some states it's legal, in some states it's not. And so I didn't do a U-turn right away, and then there was a car coming, and then before I knew it, I was like, well, I should turn down this road and this road. And, and I realized, you know, the best thing I could do is just stop and turn around and go back. Like, the longer I try to, like, figure this out on my own, the farther I'm getting, the more I'm getting off course. And so I did. I did pull a U-turn and was, was back before long. But that's really what talking about today is is repentance. Resolutions versus repentance. And repentance is really a U-turn. It's a turning from our current way of thinking and our current way of living. And it's turning from that, turning from our sin, our idols, our, our, our thought processes, our mindset, our fears, and turning to Jesus. Turning to the, pref- the preferred life that he has for us, the better life that he has for us. Um, it's, we're, we're, our title this morning is Resolutions No, Repentance Yes. And, you know, it's the new year, it's kind of a time for resolutions. And resolutions aren't necessarily bad, but the, there's a, they, can, they can come fall short, they can be much shorter, less, than what God has for us. We're going to get into that. Um, because it's, what God has for us is not just, like, good intentions, or trying harder, or turning over a new leaf. But it's coming into a new life that he has for us. And it's something that we can't do just through willpower or sin management or bad habit management. Or I'm going to try to, what do you call it, bare knuckle this and change. Like that's like a humanistic revolu- uh, resolution. Like, okay, I'm going to like resolve to do this. And that doesn't really take us very far. And it certainly doesn't take us into what God has for us. So it's resolutions, no, but repentance, no. There's a, something God brings us into of turning from something and realizing, okay, that's not good. There's something better. And really turning from that and turning to Jesus and coming into something more in every area of our life. Um, we're going to look at a, really a classic story in the Bible about being called to, people who are being called to repentance. And then they did it. So let's go ahead and jump into that. In, in Matthew chapter 3, this is the story of of John the Baptist, he was the, the, the precursor, the forerunner to the, the ministry of Jesus. And he shows up on the scene, and we're just going just gonna to read what, 
what the Word of God tells us. In Matthew 3, we're going to read 1 through 10 and kind of talk through it as we go. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. What did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first word out of John's mouth was repent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's not really like how to win friends and influence people. You know, it wasn't like, okay, let's like connect with the audience, make them trust me, open up, and then I'll like graciously show them, you know, maybe you should consider this. John the Baptist wasn't like that. All right, he comes, repent, turn, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is really our, our first point. I kind of already delved into it a little bit, but it's that humanists merely make resolutions, but Christians repent. Humanists, what I mean by that, being a humanist isn't necessarily a bad thing, but a secular humanist, one who's like living by our own wherewithal, our own strength, living for ourselves, without God, all we're left with is resolve and resolutions. But the way of God, the way of following God is, is repentance. Um, it's always, there's, there's always an upheaval of the status quo in following Christ. That's how we become a Christian, is we turn from our sin and our idols. And we turn to Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's, a not, it's how we enter the kingdom of God, but then it's not just how we enter, but it's how we grow, too. It's not just a one-time thing, but it's a lifestyle of seeing what is out of whack in our life, where there's sin in our life, where there are idols in our life, and turning from that and trusting Jesus and looking for, to Him to bring new life. It's turning from old, old ways of acting, old habits, old thought patterns, to a New life of allegiance and trust with Jesus. And so the first thing John tells his audience to do is to repent. Because that's, that's the essence. That's, that's how you live this life. The second thing he tells them is why. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there's, that's, this is important because when you, when you get what John was saying here, it's not hard to repent. Or it's natural to repent. The kingdom of heaven is, and this is our second point, the, the kingdom's nearness demands our everything. The kingdom's nearness demands our everything. When John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he wasn't saying you're going to go to heaven soon. <clears throat> you're going to die and go to heaven, and so you better be ready. But the kingdom of heaven is synonymous with the kingdom of God. It's the rule and reign of God. As John taught us in the, in the Lord's Prayer, Pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom is where he is bringing his justice, his righteousness. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So John was saying the Messiah is coming and he is bringing the kingdom with him. He is bringing his purpose into the world. He is bringing a better world. And this was coming after what's called 400 years of silence, since the last Old Testament prophet had spoken. And there had been all these, oh, God's word had been coming through different prophets, and many prophecies about the Messiah, and how he was going to bring righteousness and justice. The, the Israelites knew about this, but then there were 400 long years of silence, and just waiting 
and being under Roman rule and going into captivity and just really not experiencing the kingdom of heaven as had been promised. And now this prophet arises and says, hey, it's time. The kingdom of heaven is near. And implicit in that, every member of the audience was thinking, uh, is, that, uh, is it the Messiah? Is the, the long-awaited promised king? Is he here? Is this the time? Are we on the verge of something, what we really long for in our hearts, for our lives and our, for our nation and for the world? I, I think he's saying that it's here. And so the kingdom's nearness, it, it demands our everything. It's kind of two aspects of this. Part of it is, is accountability. It's kind of like when the, you know the boss is coming back to the office. It's like, okay, the boss is coming, look busy, right? Like, okay, what, what are we doing? Are we, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? All right, the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, are, we, are we ready? And, and realizing, oh my goodness, there's this stuff in my life that I am not ready for, for God's presence and his nearness. I, I mean, I need to separate from that stuff in my life. And so there's one aspect is, a, is accountability. It's also about opportunity. It's that, man, this is good. God is bringing something good into the world. He is bringing his, his kingdom. And, man, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of what he's doing in my life and in the world. The restoration of, of everything. Um, it's, a few of us at Empower heard one of our friends yesterday talking about how for years in his life, he was a Christian, but he was in bondage to lust and pornography. And he would, you know, no, man, this isn't right. I really shouldn't be, like, continuing going back to porn. But he just kept finding himself, like so many people, back in that place. And he would try, you know, pray, make resolutions. But it, it didn't really change. But the thing that finally changed it was when he heard this message of the kingdom of heaven. When he heard that God doesn't just want to get you to heaven, but he's bringing his kingdom to the world. And he's looking for people to be part of that story. Part of changing communities, parts of society, families. He's looking for people that will make disciples of others. He has a mission for your life. When our friend heard that, that was the thing that, oh man, wow. There's something God is doing, and he wants me to be part of it. And this thing, this sin, <clears throat> is keeping me from being part of what God has for me and what he has for the world. And getting a vision for the kingdom is what brings, brought him, and it's really what brings us out of our sin. And so when we get a vision for the kingdom, <clears throat> that leads naturally to repentance. Let's jump back in, in verse 3 of, of Matthew 3. Um, it goes on, For this is he... John the Baptist, this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Prepare the way of the Lord. And where do we prepare the way of the Lord? God wants to come. He wants to come in the world. He wants to come in our lives. The first place we have to prepare the way of the Lord is in our own hearts. Make straight paths in our own hearts, in our own lifestyles. So when we're turning from our idols and turning to God, we're preparing the way for the Messiah to come more fully and bring his presence, bring his kingdom into our lives. Now John, verse 4, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. 
and his food was locust and wild honey. Now, this, there's a reason this detail is in the Bible, because although people dressed and lived differently than we do, this was not a normal way to dress and live. All right, people didn't normally wear camel skin clothes. They didn't normally eat locusts and just grab honey from trees and just eat it. It's, this is kind of like, you know, a lot of dudes are like, wow, this is like justification for me to just like live, you know, just bow, just belch and burp and like live, you know, I, like, yeah, John the Baptist is my kind of guy, right? Don't have to worry about my style. Um, but John the Baptist, really the picture here is he was a radical man. He was radically different than the culture around him. He was not concerned with fitting in. He was not concerned with the status quo. He was not concerned with winning friends and influencing people the way people normally do. He was very different, radically different, and he had a radical message that was radically different. And this is important because so often, especially in the, our culture has been Christianized for hundreds of years, and in some ways we can, it can become things that we think Christianity is normal or it's status quo. But there's always an element of this walking with Jesus that is countercultural. It's radical. It doesn't just fit in to the status quo. It always, it, there's something about it that stands out. Um, so John was a radical guy, and it took that to prepare the way for the Lord. It took something radical. It takes something radical in our own life for us to experience God in our own life, to experience what he has for us. It's not going to be just like inching along a little bit. Or, you know, trying to just do it. It takes some radical turning and coming into something more. Uh, it says in, in verse 5, what, what was the response to this crazy guy? Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Wow, lo and behold, this, this crazy prophet brings this message and something in it pierced people's hearts, and they responded, and people near and far were coming out to where he was and turning from their sins, confessing their sins, and getting baptized as an act of washing away their sins and pledging their allegiance to the Lord and saying, here I am, I'm turning away from that, and I want to prepare the way for the Lord in my own life. It's, people were moved, people were convicted, people were, God was moving, and it resulted in Tons of people um, responding. And you know, it's wild. You, just, you get the sense that they were happy about it. You know, it's this, like, this movement going on. It wasn't like, oh, God, there's that, that mean preacher telling me i got to repent. And so, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll do it. There's this sense of like, a movement happening. They were getting swept up into something that they could hardly like, help themselves. They, there, was, there was really like, this is what God is doing, and, and I want to be part of it. Um, and it, it led to them really changing. In, in Luke, Luke's gospel, he, he talks about this too. And he gives a little more details. In, in Luke chapter 3, verse 10, we'll read this part. It says, The crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him, two cloaks, has to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? What shall we do? Not just like what little religious ritual should we do, should we go through, but okay, how do we live this out? What's the implication for my lifestyle? What shall I do? 
And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorized to do. That was radically different from how tax collectors lived. They, they made their good living by taking more than they were actually supposed to and pocketing the difference. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. You know, that's, that's repentance. It's like getting to the very key areas of our life and saying, something needs to change here. A week ago, I was, um, I was praying and kind of thinking about the year, and God convicted me. God just really got a hold of my heart, and I realized, you know, I have been very self-absorbed lately, and kind of the, the manifestation of that self-absorption is this church absorption, actually. Like, my mind, I've been, like, thinking about our church in a way that's not, the, that I'm missing out. I realize I've been so, like, just focused on our church and our community and what are our challenges and what are the problems and how can we grow and how can we be a successful church? How can we, like, be what God wants us to be? that I really had lost, my mind was very, not very much upon our community, our bigger community, Manhattan, and the world. I was just like, and re- I realized, man, that's really what I came back to. That's what our church is all about. It's not about us. It's about the needs of the 40,000 people in Manhattan that don't have a relationship with God, that aren't walking with God. It's the broken families and the depression and the substance abuse and the lack of purpose and people so separated from God and having no idea of his purpose for their life. That's why we exist. And, but I realized I had gotten in this place. That, that, that was not on the forefront of my mind. And by the grace of God, I, God brought that to my attention and I saw it and I turned from that. And it's just been so life-giving. I mean, this last week, it's like, oh, God, I don't care about our church. Like, whatever. I, not, I don't care about you all. No, not, not really. But it's like, but it, really, if we can, as a church, like, that's, if we can see our mission, see our purpose, see, man, God, you want to use us to change the world, then, okay, God takes care of the rest of it with us, and we have a healthy community, and that's great, too. But it's just, but it was a real, like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm not, this is embarrassing how just like how dysfunctional my thinking is right now and but really I by the grace of God was able to turn and come into something more and that's what God wants to bring us into but oftentimes it's easy for us to miss out on that and there are so many things in our mind so many like justifications and familiarity that keeps us from that that's what we're going to look at next Um, back to the story in, in Matthew 3 7 it says when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism Coming to his baptism, okay, this is a good thing. So the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're religious leaders. They're the kind of green berets of the, of the believers. They're the people that have paid their dues. They've been the most devoted, the most faithful. They know the scriptures the most. And God's doing something. And along with all the other people, all the other sinners, the Pharisees and Sadducees are there too. They're coming out too. But, but John said to them, you brood of vipers. You try that line on your, on your friends sometimes. See how that goes, how that comes across. 
you brood of snakes. Again, like, wait, it looks like what they're doing is good. They are coming to this repentance. They're, they're getting baptized. They're wanting to do what everybody else is doing. But John looked at them and said, no, you're a bunch of snakes. Who want you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. I mean, you've got to be like, wait a minute. Weren't they doing the right thing? Why is he getting on their case so bad? They were doing, what? And also, like, what if we did this to people? Like, what if, like, we had John the Baptist, you know, in his camel skin robe outside the door as people were walking in, and he just had the discretion to be like, hey, no, 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 you don't come to church today. You're a brood of vipers. You, you know, like, like, like wait, how? Like, it's, it's very radical. Because they were doing all the stuff. They were going through all the, like, Christian stuff that everybody else was doing. Probably in many ways even more so. But John said, so realized there was something with them that wasn't right. And they were going through the motions, but not really all the way from their heart. There was other stuff going on in their heart. And you don't know what, you know, probably some level of pride, probably maybe some level of territorialism, suspicion. I, we don't totally know what was going on. We, we see how many of the Pharisees and Sadducees lived in other places in the Gospels. We, we see these, this kind of religious pride that puffed them up and made, had made their, their faith in God become not really about service to God anymore, but really about them preserving their status quo and preserving them feeling good about themselves. And kind of feel like, yeah, we're the, we're, we're the men. I'm the man. I did it. I've done my dues. I know the scriptures better than y'all. Like, I, I can teach you. And it came into a place of, of really losing the essence of what it's all about, of really walking with God. And... You know, this is scary because the more religious we are, the more, the more history we have as a Christian, the easier it is to find ourselves in that place. The more elevated we are, the more accolades we've received from others, going, oh yeah, you're a good person, you're a good Christian, the easier it is for it to subtly become about us and not about what it's really all about. The more easier it is for us to think, like, yeah, I'm on the right, like, I'm on the right path here. I'm just like, keep doing what I'm doing, keep doing what I'm doing, and I'm good. When really, what's needed is a radical repentance, realizing, man, I am not where I need to be. I need to turn to to Jesus and what He has for me. Um, you know, that's that's really a, a, a sobering reality for all of us, and so. You know, here's our next point is resolutions are shallow. Repentance is radical. Resolutions are shallow. Repentance is radical. It's not, repentance isn't surface level. It's not just kind of like more of the same, but a little better. It's realizing, oh God, what in me is self-absorbed and about me? What do I need to turn from? And it's a radical turn. 
Um, there's a difference between kind of the Bible calls worldly sorrow versus godly sorrow. In, in 2 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness. And it's easy for us to have a worldly sorrow that's like, oh man, yeah, I know this isn't really right. You know, I know this, yeah, I'm sorry for what I'm doing. I'm going to try to change. I'm going to try to be better. Sometimes it's, I'm sorry that I got, I got caught. Like, I really wasn't sorry until there were some consequences for what I did, or someone else said something about it. And they're like, yeah, oh yeah, you know, I really, I, I should do better. But godly sorrow goes deep. And it says, man, I am broken. I am a sinner. And I need to turn. I need to repent. And it produces a real change that brings no regret. It really brings us into something so much more. John talked about this, John the Baptist, in, in verse 10, the end, of this, the end of this passage we're looking at. He says this, talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The axe is laid to the root of the trees, of the tree. Radical, literally the word radical means to the root. That's what it means to be radical. It means to go to the root of something. And we had, um, in our house, our house has quite a few trees, but it had twice as many when we first bought it. And we had this one crabapple tree by our mailbox that is this really not a very, most people would say that's kind of a trashy tree. It has like, you know, it flowers in the spring for a little while and it's nice, but then it's not that great the rest of the year, but our kids love to, love to climb it. And so it, they don't last that long. It, it got old and it died. And so we like, you know, cut it down and cut it down to the stump as far as we could. And that stinking tree, though, it had, there were roots underground. And they just kept sending up shoots. Just kept sending up, like, multiple shoots. That's what crabapple trees do. And so we keep, like, cut them down every so often. Go over with a lawnmower. Literally for, I think it was two years, we just kept, like, cutting this thing down. Cutting them down, mowing over it. And they kept coming back. And... Because my daughter, who's right here, loved this tree. It was like her favorite climbing, climbing tree. They were mad that I was like cutting down the shoots. So finally I was like, okay, we'll like just we'll protect one shoot and see what happens. And so we just, I didn't cut down one of those shoots. And lo and behold, we have a new, we now have a crabapple tree in our yard that's like going to be climbable probably in a couple years. Like that, because we didn't go to the root and get rid of it, it came back. And, you know, our kids think that's good because they, I, I kind of, it's a nice story for that crabapple tree. But when it's stuff in our life that God wants to get rid of, it's not so cute. We've got to go all the way to the root. We've got to be like, you know, those dandelions. You know, you've got to like either poison them or get one of those tools that goes all the way to the root. Or else, if there's just a little bit in there, it's going to come back. We had another tree in our house inside of our house. We, had, we wanted to plant a garden, and we have so much shade, it was like, there's no place, but there's this one old cedar tree that's really messy, and it's not really helping us. Maybe if we cut that thing down, it's a big old tree. Maybe if we cut it down, we'd have a plot for a garden. So I, like, didn't want to call a tree service company. I used to work for one in college. I knew how much they charged. So I got my ladder and a chainsaw and, like, climbed up and, like, had my kids, like, pull a rope and, like, pull this whole thing down. It was pretty crazy. 
But then there was a, a good-sized stump right where we wanted the garden. And so I literally dug that sucker out. And I'll tell you, it was not fun. It was like, it was hours and hours of digging around that thing and going down deep. And then there's like all these, all these supporting roots that are big. They had to take an ax and just like chop that thing up. And it was hours and hours and hours of work. But eventually, that cedar tree was gone. And it never came back. And we've had a garden for all these years since then. And that's really how repentance has to work in our lives. Is it can't be just a shallow thing. But we have to look at, like, okay, what's really going on in my heart? What are the, what are the motivations? Why do I do that thing? What am I really looking for? What are the false beliefs? Why I, I live like this because I really believe that I have to or else this is going to happen. What's really going on? How can I go deep and excavate the stuff at a deep level in, in my life? I, a couple of years ago, not as, um, not as heroic of a story for me, about the same time probably, well, it was later than the tree stories, but I have, one of the things I've done throughout my marriage to my wonderful wife, Reagan here, that really hurt her, is I would, we would be talking to other people in a public setting, and she would say something, and I didn't think it was quite right, and so I would kind of correct it. I would say, well, it was kind of like this. And she would come home and she'd say, hey, you, you did that. Like, you corrected me in front of people. That was really embarrassing. It was kind of humiliating. And I'd like, well, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Um, I, I, I'll, okay, I'll try not to do that. But I would do it again and again. And, and I would kind of like, well, you know, it kind of needed to be, sometimes I would actually be like, it kind of needed to be corrected. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't quite right. It wasn't really accurate. There was, there was a better way, you know, you didn't. And so I kind of played this game. And so a couple of years ago, this happened. And so Reagan told me, I remember I was in the kitchen. And again, I had my whole, like, coping mechanisms, justification, excuses, start going into play, and then I was, okay, okay, I'll, 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 man, I'll, I'll try, I'll, I'll, I want to stop doing that, but then it, it, wasn't, it wasn't all the way really, you know, getting to the root of it, and at one point in this conversation, I, I found, like, I could just feel kind of like a, a mocking spirit in my, in my mind, in my head, like, kind of, talking to her with just like this, this condescension. And Reagan called me out on it. She's like, man, it's like right, right there. Like there's, there's something in you that is really not right. Like that is evil. There's something in you that's evil. And when I, I realized in that moment, like, oh my goodness, there is. Like this added, there's something. It's not even just for me. Like I am ally, allying myself with evil powers, the power of the enemy. And that has a hold of my heart. And, oh my goodness, what have I been doing? How have I been living? And at that moment, finally, the, the axe began to go to the root of that sin in my heart. And I repented, and I you know, really repented to her. And then I called my, a couple of my friends who really I'm accountable to and said, I need to talk to you. And 
This is what I've done. I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to pray for me. Like, can you help me understand like, what's going on in my life? Because I know there's something going on here. Will you pray for me? I need to see deliverance. I need to see real turning in my life. And by the grace of God, that's what happened. And I've, I've been different since then. I haven't lived the same way. It's not that I don't face those same temptations or that I've never done that again, but that power has been broken in my life. And that's what repentance wants to, God wants to bring to the root of those stuff in our life, to really unearth it and bring us into something more. So resolutions are shallow, but repentance is radical. And then just one last thing. I, I think it's really important for us to understand is that resolutions are one time, but repentance is regular. And we make our resolutions at the beginning of the year, and like, okay, yeah. Repentance, we, we can be like, well, yeah, I, I became a Christian. I repented. But you've got to repent regularly. Just like if your doctor or asks you, hey, are you regular? It's like, how often are you doing it? How, how often is that happening in your life? That's, man, in my, this last week, I tell you, I had to repent of pride. I had to repent of self-absorption. I had to repent of this and that soul, like, thing after, like, multiple times in my life. I, disciples repent all the time. And that's not to say that you're, like, repenting because you're not really repenting. Like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're not really changing. But just, it's a lifestyle of seeing, oh, my goodness, this is wrong. This is, this is contrary to God. This is sin. And this is, I'm being a, allegiant to the enemy. I am turning from that. God, I repent of that. Not just I'm sorry or, oh, but God, I repent and I turn. In, um, in Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily. Not just like, oh, I took up my cross back then. But you know what? You dropped it again. And you've been living for yourself again, just like I do. It's got to be this daily thing of taking it. And the cross, we, we lose how just intense that imagery is. It's, it's, it's death. It's crucifixion to ourself, to our old way of doing things. And so repentance is a regular thing. It's, oh man, okay, yes, I am radically destroying my agenda and what I want to do, and I am embracing what God has for me. That's the way we enter the kingdom is the way we grow in the kingdom. It's the way we come in is by repenting and trusting Jesus. The way we grow is by repenting and trusting Jesus. So it's radical and it's regular. All right. Um, what, about, what about us? What about you? I hope, you know, I, I trust that this is, uh, that there are things that you're like, okay, yeah. I need that in this area of my life. Are there any, I just want to ask that. You know, give, us, give us a little space this morning to, to make sure we have time to reflect and, and to go deep. Are there any attitudes in your life that the Holy Spirit's saying, man, it's time to repent of that. Any habits? Any mindsets? You know, one of the big things I had to repent of this past week was fear. And I found, really, I don't think of myself as someone who lives with a lot of fear. But I realized I am like going through my week really living in a lot of fear that I have to do these things. And if I don't, then my life's going to fall apart. And just living like under compulsion because out of fear that, I, that things won't work out. I had to repent of that. 
and turn to Jesus. Turn to God with faith. Um, you know, if it's, I told you about the whole like, the self-absorption and church absorption. My really, part of my repentance that I'm walking out this year is I've, I'm asking, by the grace of God, I'm committed to say, God, I am going to talk to 100 new people this year in Manhattan about God, about the kingdom of God, about spiritual things. I'm looking for opportunities in my neighborhood. I'm looking for opportunities at my kids' futsal game. I had two great conversations last Saturday right there. They were just amazing because I was looking. I went in ready. I'm doing this. So I've, I've got like five down so far. All right? I'm 5% of the way to really walking this out this year. Um, but really, what is it for you? You know, what's, what's the new lifestyle of repentance that God is, God is calling you to? In Hosea 10.12, the prophet Hosea says, Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. And we all tend to easily have ground in our hearts that's hard because it hasn't been plowed. It's gotten crusty. It's got a thick crust on it. And the prophet, God is saying, break up that ground of your heart that's gotten tough. Break it up. Plow it up. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. I want to give just a minute for us. And the worship team can come on up. And um, I want to allow time for, for us to really respond in our own lives to whatever God's saying to us this morning. Um, I think it was time to, to ask, God, if, if you don't already know, God, what are you saying to me? 